And you're back in the doctor's lounge. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. Every week we come to you with the best in chat radio, in healthcare, the kinds of things that doctors talk about amongst themselves in doctor's lounges all across the country. We try to inform you about the things you need to know regarding health care so that you can advocate for your health care freedom for yourself and your family. The uh, Docs for Patient Care Foundation sponsors this show. It is the only physician-led health care think tank in the country run entirely by doctors. So our uh, efforts here, our efforts um, around the country need to be supported if we're going to continue to do the things that we have been doing for the last, um, gosh, over uh, almost a decade. So please go to our website, www.d4pcfoundation.org. That's docs4patientcarefoundation.org, d4pcfoundation.org. Contribute $5 or $5,000. We need your help. We need to get your support so that we can uh, really uh, um, just continue to work for you and uh, work for your um, health care freedom, the doctor-patient relationship, and to try to keep uh, people out of your health care and get between you and your doctor. And there's a lot to uh, talk about regarding that, and and I'm going to get into that shortly. Um, the uh, I've been um, trying to plug our upcoming conference in Orlando in two weeks, and I am uh, sorry to say that it is sold out. So anybody who had hoped to come, you're out of luck for this year, and you'll have to wait until next year um, when we hope to increase the size even more than there is this year. And we'll be having well over 300 doctors and other interested people at this meeting this year with the um, the leaders of the direct primary care movement as well as other um, important and interesting speakers, including myself, who will talk about uh, direct primary care and how it can interface with specialty care to create a new health care model. You've heard about that before on the show. So uh, um, we have uh, sponsors that are um, excited to be there. There'll be other there'll be sponsorship um, opportunities next year for this even larger meeting that we're going to be planning for 2019. So uh, those of you who are going to be there are going to be in for a treat. There's going to be some special uh, speakers there, including. Uh, uh, somebody, I hope from uh, from the uh, Trump administration that will uh, um, be able to give you the latest in what they plan to do, um, provided that the political climate stays um, somewhat stable, and we know how unstable things are right now in Washington. Um, I. Uh, There are three weeks left before Election Day, and there's a lot to unpack regarding health care. 
and there is uh, a lot of concern about uh, what is going to happen um, after November 6th, and we'll talk a little bit about that today as well. But I wanted to share um, an opportunity that uh, I was given along with Dr. Mike um, last Thursday. We were invited to participate in a roundtable at the uh, White House and to uh, talk with Trump administration um, officials, leaders, the healthcare team, along with other experts in healthcare. And uh, it was it was really a privilege for Dr. Mike and I to be there. And um, the topic was about regulation in healthcare and uh, the views that these experts had regarding regulations and what could be done to improve things from a regulatory standpoint. We know that the Trump administration has deregulated a number of industries, banking being um, the most uh, notable, um, uh, the the coal industry, the EPA, but um, healthcare has... uh, been particularly difficult for the Trump administration to wrap their arms around and to deregulate, and there's hope that that is coming soon. The uh, working group at the White House um, is going to be releasing this week or next week a report um, that uh, outlines what they plan to do, what their uh, goals are going to be and how they plan to accomplish those goals. And what we had to share with this uh, uh, focus group was important to them so that they had uh, further information to either support their views or to give them some different and new ideas. And it was an impressive meeting, I have to tell you, with impressive people there. And we were honored and privileged to be part of this. There were people from the White House healthcare team there. There were people from HHS, from CMS, from the Federal Federal Trade Commi- uh, Commission there. There were representatives at the roundtable from the hospital world, from the advocacy world, from the AMA, the poli- from the policy world. And then there were these two country doctors from Atlanta who were there, who were... Uh, there to uh, weigh in. And it was interesting because we were the only doctors there, and I suspect that there haven't been very many doctors who have been at these focus groups, particularly because we're the only practicing um, uh, policy group that has, uh, or the only po- healthcare policy group that has practicing physicians as part of their leadership. And so, you know from listening to this show how shy I am about sharing my views, and I didn't pass up this opportunity to say what was needed to be said. And um, I began by explaining that we are at a tipping point, and whether these people at this meeting realized it or not, they needed to hear what I was going to say. And I took about eight minutes of uninterrupted time to uh, give a, uh, a short um, uh, opinion, a dissertation about the state of healthcare right now. 
I pointed out that doctors are leaving medicine in record numbers and and at an earlier age. And much of the things that I said are th- points that I have shared with you, our listening audience, over and over again over the four years that we've been doing this show. I pointed out that doctors are primarily leaving because of overregulation, and these regulations are imposed by the government, federal and state, by insurance companies, by non-government organizations like the Joint Commission um, on Health Care that oversees hospitals or semi um uh, official organizations like uh, uh, the uh, like the uh, uh, um, American Association of OR nurses who who are telling us what we can and cannot wear in an operating room. Um, it's in, these regulations are imposed by hospitals and even by our medical societies. You've heard me speak a number of times about. Um, recertification, maintenance of certification, and the right to practice and how there are um, uh, boards that are run by doctors in our respective specialties that are shaking down doctors and making us spend just obscene amounts of money and waste ungodly amounts of time to participate in a process that has nothing to do with patient care, but to but instead lines the pockets of the people at the top of these agencies. I shared with this group that doctors are burning out because of these regulations and explaining what doctor burnout is, that doctors are unhappy, which leads them to often be impaired, either alcohol uh, addicted, drug addicted, depressed, and occasionally suicidal. Um, I shared with them that almost two doctors per day statistically commit suicide, and these doctors cannot be replaced. I explained that the replacement of the doctors leaving health care is outpacing the ability of the medical schools and residency programs to fill that void. And so it is leading to critical doctor shortages. Um, Sally Pipes, who is on the board of the advisory board of Docs for Patient Care and with whom I have a tremendous relationship, wrote about this um, just uh, uh, a couple of days ago um, in uh, Forbes. She wrote that uh, government policies are driving doctors to quit health care. And she, uh, it's funny, Sally has channeled me when it comes to writing about these issues regarding what is happening to doctors. And I've channeled Sally when it comes to explaining the dangers of the single-payer health care, which she has been talking about for as long as I've known her, um, that uh, stems from her experience as a Canadian. But in this uh, um, latest piece about government policies, she points out that uh, doctors are leaving in record numbers and that there are, um, uh, I think it was a, uh, a doctor shortage that exceeds 120,000 
doctors, which is up from last year's progression of almost 105,000 doctor shortage. And these young doctors, that they're trying to replace the um, doctors fleeing medicine with, are not well-trained. They are smart. I won't, I won't take that away from them. They're smarter than, than my generation was, but they are less well-trained. They spend less time in training. They are not getting the same kind of training that the older doctors got, and they're not as committed. They want to work shifts. They don't want to stay late. They are more interested in the life work balance than the previous generations of doctors. Not that that's bad, but it means that if five o'clock comes around, you might not be able to get your doctor. You might get the on-call doctor or maybe even the nurse who is fielding the calls, and it might not even be a nurse. And the government's answer to this are physician extenders, I pointed out, and that is not the answer. I made it very clear that the physician extenders, nurse practitioners, PAs, are an important part of the healthcare team, but they are not the same as doctors. And then I went on to say that the regulations which are killing the medical profession are just too numerous to count. And I pointed out a few of them. The electronic medical record mandate, the Medicare rules with the new MIPS and MACRA. And I'll, I'll go through the list in just a minute, but we're at a hard break right now. And I'll finish my, uh, uh, my, uh, um, dissertation to, to this White House committee when we get back in the doctor's lounge. So please stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Um, today we are discussing my tr- recent trip to Washington, D.C. and the White House, and it was um, a very interesting meeting. I really had an opportunity to educate a room full of healthcare policy people about uh, why the um, current environment is killing um, health care and why doctors are 
are uh, unhappy with the way things are. And we uh, left off talking about all the regulations, which I can't even go into. There are so many, but I pointed out a few of them, the problems with the high-tech law or EMR. And that after I went through everything, I, I went back to that and gave Dr. Mike an opportunity to weigh in on EMR and on the Medicare rules, the MIPS and the MACRA, which you've heard him talk about week after week. He's a expert on these issues. And um, it was, uh, you know, I think uh, um, an eye-opening uh, experience for these people to hear from the doctors talking about this. I mentioned about HIPAA. I mentioned about the Stark regulations, which basically keep doctors from becoming entrepreneurs because they're afraid of violating um, rules that were put in place that prevent doctors from self-referring or anti-kickback. We talked about certificate of need laws. That was a big part of this, trying to see what the federal government could do to overturn what is really anti-competition laws in 35 states around the country that are just driving up costs and keeping doctors from being able to compete on an even playing field with the hospitals. We talked about antitrust, where doctors can't come together and become entrepreneurial, unlike hospitals who have absolutely no restrictions on them to merge and come together or to buy up physicians and to uh, become bigger and uh, more monopolistic. And then we, I had an opportunity to talk about maintenance of certification, recertification, um, and how this is all creating an environment which is toxic to doctors and to their ability to give care to their to their patients. I pointed out how uneven the playing field was favoring hospitals who have become now the central um, uh, portion of the healthcare delivery system. Much of this is intentional with the creation of accountable care organizations because the federal government believed that this would be the best way to control hospitals and costs. There were, a, uh, I'm sorry, controlled doctors and the delivery of health care and costs. And they were 100% wrong about that. And it is unraveling, and they're seeing that now. But in the meantime, the hospitals have been given the keys to the kingdom. And I pointed out to this group with the American Hospital Association representative there that they are monopolies because of certificate of need laws and competition is being kept out, how there is asymmetric reimbursement that favors paying hospitals sometimes five to ten times the amount of money for the identical service that is given in a hospital compared to if that service was given by a doc- the same doctor in their um, office that was not tied to the hospital. I talked about the fact that reimbursements were decreasing to, to doctors, um, that Obamacare has created a toxic environment that unlevels the playing field, that prevents doctors from coming together to open up hospitals um, where uh, which accept Medicare funds. Those are outlawed under Obamacare. The lack of transparency in pricing for health care leads to a um, hidden cost 
um, situation where people receive surprise billing from hospitals and they don't know where those costs are and that's um, driving up the costs of care and and um, and making the uh, the the situation in healthcare um, worse and worse because it has a di- an indirect effect of driving up healthcare insurance premiums and it's just a vicious cycle. In the meantime, the point we also d- discussed the fact that administrators in hospitals are growing at an alarmingly greater rate than the physicians are growing around the country. The number of hospital administrators has gone up by a factor of 3,000 to 1 compared to the number of doctors. And then um, failure to support efforts to break away from this model that we are in to try to improve things, uh, specifically the lack of support in many places for the creation of direct primary care. Direct primary care would flourish if we had um, a, a favorable environment where people can use their health savings accounts and uncouple them from an insurance product so that they can use those dollars to pay for a direct primary care doctor and pull it out of insurance. And many states will um, not support this uh, delivery model, and insurance commissioners are trying to keep these practices from flourishing by lumping them in as insurance products or risk-bearing entities when they truly are not. So after going through all of that, I was surprised that everybody seemed interested in what we had to say. And um, the only notes that the people in this room seemed to be taking um, during this meeting was when either I or Dr. Mike had something to say. Otherwise, they, it was sort of like ho-hum, they knew all this. But we were giving them information that I think was very valuable that they don't hear from people on a regular basis, if ever. Which leads to this conclusion. The Trump administration is interested in hearing about these issues and is interested in fixing them. And this did not happen in eight years of Obama. Things got worse and worse, progressively worse, for doctors and for patients during that administration. And this is what's going to happen if we give control of the government back to the Democrats who are being overrun by the radical left. And it's because health care is the key. Health care is the linchpin for socialism in every single place where it has been implemented. The first thing you do is go after health care. Once you control the health care of the population, then you've got them. The Democrats know that. And health care right now is the number one issue among people. It's surpassed the economy. It surpassed taxes. CBS poll last week showed that 70% of Americans think that health care is the number one issue. The Democrats are devoid of ideas. They only exist to counter Donald Trump, to ruin his presidency, to 
to demonize anything that is Republican or Donald Trump. They have absolutely no ideas. They are devoid of any constructive ideas. And so health care is critical for them. They must own health care. And so they are putting all their eggs in this basket. They are pushing right now for health care. And you don't hear much anymore about Obamacare. It's very interesting. The Democrats have left that alone. But instead what they've done is they've adopted the hard left position of socialized health care. And they're trying to thread the needle on this topic. What do I mean by threading the needle? Well, they're trying to embrace socialized health care, the Bernie Sanders plan, healthcare, Medicare for all, and that's to appease their hard left base. But at the same time, they're trying not to scare the moderates because there's a lot in this plan to be scared of, and they're trying to downplay it or not play it at all and leave it behind, under under the covers and not explain this to people. And, uh, and they're hoping that nobody's paying attention to this, just like nobody paid attention to Obamacare. And Sally Pipes has been on this bandwagon with the... Uh, with socialized health care for as long as I've known her. And I've jumped on that bandwagon with her long ago. But not many other people were talking about socialized health care until recently. And what happened recently? President Trump decided to get into the middle of this. And he wrote a piece in USA Today um, that came out on October 10th where he explained that the Democrats' Medicare for All plan, the Bernie Sanders plan, was really Medicare for no one, and how it would demolish promises made to seniors, and how it would outlaw private health care plans, take away our freedom to choose health care, and at the same time providing these same benefits to illegal aliens. So just wrap your brain around this. What they want to do is they want to take everything that exists, they want to get rid of everything, Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance, everything. They want to outlaw health care insurance other than the single payer. So if there's a duplication of services that a an entity is going to provide that the government is providing, they want to make it against the law. At the same time, they want to take away the promise of Medicare that people have been counting on for their whole lives, and they want to give away those same benefits to people who crossed the border yesterday. So... Trump pointed all of this out. He he unwrapped the Bernie Sanders health care plan, and he tried to explain to people who weren't paying attention what the Democrats' position is right now. Well, that just was that was amazing because 
what that did was it really put everything out there. It put the Democrats squarely in the middle of not being able to hide the facts of what the Bernie Sanders plan is and what the House of uh, Representatives uh, similar plan is. And it is um, a socialized health care plan, a government takeover of health care. And um, the uh, leadership of the Democratic Party wasted absolutely no time in coming out and saying how misleading the president was, what a liar he was, how he uh, was uh, um, scaring the American public. Nancy Pelosi um, had a uh, piece that uh, came out saying that the president is falsely attacking this plan and that Republicans are for special interests and that the Democrats are for the people, that they love the people, that they want a lower health care plan uh, costs, they want a lower prescription drug costs, and they want to do this through a strong economy, rebuilding America, and ending corruption in Washington. This is like a fairy tale. It's unbelievable what these people will say and how they will lie directly to the American people. So stay with us. I want to unwrap the um, single-payer um, uh, issue that Donald Trump has unleashed when we get back. So stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. We are talking today about single-payer and uh, President Trump weighing in and, uh, and stirring the pot as far as this is concerned. Just to um, restate single-payer and Bernie Care, um, Bernie Care wants to um, gut health care and give everyone um, a, a the ability to get anything that they want, any time that they want, from anyone that they want. It's a fairy tale plan, and it does not work. Uh, socialized health care doesn't work anywhere in the world, and uh, 
just when the rest of the world is abandoning socialized health care because of all the problems that they're finding, the left in this country wants to jump in and and uh, um, change the American health care plan into a socialized health care plan. And this is this spells disaster if the Democrats win and take control because this is on their agenda. So if you think that Obamacare was bad, you ain't seen nothing yet because this is going to absolutely destroy American health care. So this plan is called Medicare for All, which is really dishonest. It's not Medicare for All at all. But the interesting thing that they... um, are not telling anybody is the price tag and how we pay for this. This is going to cost $32.5 trillion over the 10 years that it is, uh, first 10 years that it's implemented. Now, if we know anything about the history of estimating costs in healthcare, we know that they are wrong 100 percent of the time and the costs are always an underestimate when medicare was created back in 1964 and implemented in 1965 it cost two billion dollars it was estimated that by 1990 15 years later it would cost it would the cost of Medicare would be about twelve billion dollars a year. In fact, it turned out to be a hundred and seven billion dollars a year. Today, that cost is north of five hundred and eighty billion dollars a year. So, these costs for the Bernie Sanders socialized health care takeover is going to cost us at the minimum $32 trillion over 10 years. So how would this be paid for? Well, I will I will tell you what they want to do. They want to redirect finances to this new program. And the program would be funded from existing sources of government revenues for health care, which means the money that's allocated for Medicare, for, for Medicaid. I don't know about veterans' care. Veterans' care is a little nebulous, but the children's health care insurance plan, a CHIP, would be money that would be rolled into this. It would be funded by increasing personal income taxes on the top 5% of income earners. What that ceiling would be is... is um, not not predictable. Nobody has said. But I read that um, if you took every millionaire in this country and confiscated 100% of their income, that it would pay for less than one year of this health care plan. So there, the taxes are going to need to go up. Elizabeth Warren has who's a, who's a sponsor of the Bernie bill said that 90% taxes may be a little too much 
is probably the minimum. So it's going to be somewhere, in her opinion, between 50 and 90%. And that's where the Democrats will push for if they get control of Congress and the White House. This program would be funded by instituting a progressive excise tax on payroll and self-employment income. It would be paid for by instituting a tax on unearned income, like um, t- like stock uh, transactions or rental income. It would be paid for by instituting a tax on bond and stock transactions. Um, it would... Um, and, and there are an, an array of other taxes that were um, that were uh, discussed that would need to be either implemented or increased to pay for this. And it would cover illegal immigrants, and um, and that is not um, that that is something that the Democrats are not telling you, but that is clearly a. Uh, a part of this plan. And Senator Schumer, who jumped on the bandwagon to rip Trump for lying about exposing this Bernie bill, is saying that that Trump is smearing and sabotaging the efforts to fix health care by issuing false and misleading words that can't cover up the truth, that in fact, it's not them, the Democrats, who have hurt health care, but it's Trump and the Republicans. And I just am absolutely uh, just amazed. It takes my breath away that the Democrats, everything that they do or everything that they say is transferred to the Republicans. It's a common um, uh, mechanism that you learn about in Psychology 101 called um, transference, um, where you transfer or ascribe what you're doing to your adversary or your opponent. You know, I I think I'm, I'm going to be putting together a reading list because I want people to to read some things that actually I need to reread just so that I can be up on this. But these visions of the the left, which have taken over the Democrat Party, there is no more Democrat Party. It's the Republicans against the left. And this is a an existential fight for the heart and the soul of our country. And if you are a freedom-loving individual, then you cannot look at what the left wants to do and be on board with this. It is just absolutely, um, it's, it's out of step with what most people truly believe, what most good people believe. And, um, if you read Saul Olinsky's Rules for Radicals, that's part of my reading list for you to see what he tells people to do to stir up trouble and to to make change. And the Democrats have adopted this, and they are doing this over and over. But my reading list would also include books 
like 1984, which you need to read if you have not read that. I've read that years ago. I plan to reread this book, as do I plan to reread Aldous, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. And I've read this book twice, but I'm going to read it again just so that I can cement in my mind what is really going on, which is Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And for the people that this needs to reach, unfortunately, are not going to read these books because they don't have pictures in them. But they, they, these are, this is absolutely mandatory reading to understand what's going on. And another book which I would recommend, even though I'm not happy with his activities over the last two years as a never Trumper, is Jonah Goldberg's book, which is Liberal Fascism which is a very well-written book, a very important book, but it, and, it, and it really describes these tactics that Schumer, that Pelosi, that the left are implementing to try to counter the truth that is being told to the public by Trump about single-payer health care and then by the people who are amplifying his message. And um, I'm going to get into that in just a second. But, um, you know, I think that it is uh, it's it's important that uh, that the um, that the the people who are are um, amplifying Trump's message about health care need to need to do a better job and um, we're trying to do that we do that here on the radio show we're doing it in print but the public needs to learn the, uh, the truth about what what this socialized overhaul this takeover of health care really will mean to them and um, the Washington Post um, in response to President Trump coming on board against socialized single-payer health care felt compelled as a public service to use their fact-checkers to uh, rip apart what he wrote about. And, um, and they, they got it wrong. Their fact-checkers are, are um, basically... Uh, um, so biased and um, so invested in in propping up the Democrat position about single payer that they um, are not are not being honest themselves, which led me to write a piece in town hall yesterday. So I'm going to plug my piece. Please go to town hall and read my piece, which is entitled "President Trump Gets Blasted." by Washington Post fact-checkers, but who checks their facts? And I think that that's really important because their facts are are based, they're rooted in the, the, in the uh, orthodoxy, in the, in, the, uh, in, in the thought process of the left. And they are... Um, there are basically two realities right now that that we are living in. We're living in parallel universes where you have 
the facts from the left, which are not really facts, and then you've got the facts from the the right, which the left would contend are not really facts either. But I love that the, uh, I started my piece with, with the, um, the tie, with the quote from Senator Patrick Moynihan, everyone's entitled to his own opinion, but not his own facts. I love that. So stay with us. I'm going to wrap this up in the last segment and you're in the doctor's lounge. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back in the doctor's lounge. I want to thank everybody who listens to this show regularly. I, um, I've uh, been told that our downloads are at a record pace, and uh, I hope to be able to share a number with you the next time because I think that you are the reason why we're doing so well. I think that uh, the things that we're trying to share with you are important. I think we're doing a, an important service by doing this show, but your support, you're telling your friends about this, you're sharing the links, um, the podcasts, that's really important because um, what we do is is uh, not going to be effective if it's not shared with people and, and the message isn't getting out there. So I really want to thank everybody who downloads this show and shares the links with their, with their friends, with their social media, and I would uh, encourage you to continue to do that and, and make sure that they are regular listeners to the Doctor's Lounge. So, um, you, you know, my email is, uh, dr. dr. Hal at americaswebradio.com. And I would love to hear from you, um, if for suggestions and for, for other topics and, uh, just, just, uh, whether or not we're doing a good job or not. So please, um, go to dr. Hal at americaswebradio.com. Um, so I wrote a piece about the fact checkers and um, some things that I, you know, um, said in this piece that I think that needs to be said is that socialized health care, 
is becoming the mainstream position of the Democrats. They don't want you to know that, but it is. The Bernie bill has 16 sponsors, including four of the leading uh, candidates for president in 2020 right now, um, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. Um, um, these are these are the people who are sponsoring that that Bernie bill. In the House, there's 123 sponsors of the similar bill, including the current vice chairman of the Democrat National Com- Committee, Keith Ellison, the uh, the um, uh, the spouse abuser who's not getting who's not getting who uh, the the left uh, conveniently is not. Uh, uh, believing the word of the person he abused, um, it's the double standard is glaring. But nonetheless, getting back to health care, he is the chair of uh, the vice chair of the Democrat National Committee. He is the lead sponsor of the House bill for socialized health care. So if you think for a second that it's not going to be part of the Democrat platform in 2020, you're smoking something. Maybe you live in Canada now where it's legal. And so, uh, but, but this is part of the Democrat position. And, um, the fact checkers blast President Trump at saying that, uh, that this is going to, um, hurt seniors and it's going to, um, keep them from getting the benefits that they are used to. But we know that the government lies or not the government, well, yes, the government lies, but we know that the Democrats lie. The the Democrats lie on a regular basis, and they lie because they are trying to pull the wool over the eyes of the Americans. This happened with Obamacare when Obama um, blatantly and, and just shamelessly stood in front of the Americans 23 times and said, if you like your plan, you can keep it. If you like your doctor, you can keep him. That we will cut your premiums by $2,500 when they've actually now more than doubled between 2013 and 2017 when Obamacare was at its at its peak. So they lie to because they think that nobody's paying attention. And you know what? They're right. Nobody is paying attention. It's time for people to pay attention. How do you pay attention? How do you know what socialized health care is going to mean to Americans? Just look at places where it is, where it's right now um, being uh, um, implemented, where, where countries that have socialized health care. Great Britain is the greatest example of how wrong socialized health care <clears throat> has been and how bad it has become. There are over 5 million Brits who are on a waiting list called uh, on the National Health Service waiting for an operation. And, and these operations are the kind of operations that seniors expect to get, like joint replacement, cataract surgery, heart surgery, etc. Um, but it gets worse than that, and this is what the Democrats won't tell you about socialized health care. The way that the 
National Health Service in Great Britain is able to continue to offer health care to people is to ration care. You heard about death panels during the Obamacare um, debates, and the Democrats would would malign the people who talked about death panels, which really do exist. Death panels aren't people who say you die. They're people who say that your treatment is too expensive and we're not going to pay for it. That's what we see on a regular basis in Great Britain. And if you think that I'm not telling you the truth, if you think that this is not correct, do your own fact-checking because this exists and it's called the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence or the the um, the ironic euphemism NICE. What NICE does, it's a rationing board in Great Britain that uses a tool called Quality Adjusted Life Years, QALYs, and they determine if they're going to pay for a certain treatment based on whether or not the treatment will extend the life or the quality of life of an individual and if the cost is below a certain threshold per year of life, then the treatment will be approved. So what does that mean? Okay, what it means is let's pretend that somebody's got cancer and that the treatment, the surgery and the chemotherapy for the treatment is going to cost, let's just say, a quarter of a million dollars. Well, let's say that the actuarial tables for a patient with that kind of cancer is three years. And um, and they put a price on what a life year would cost. So they're saying that they're not going to spend more than 25,000 pounds, which is about, about $30,000 a year in in cost for this particular disease. So this patient actuarially has a three-year life expectancy. The treatment is going to cost a quarter of a million dollars, but the threshold is is $30,000 a year or $100,000 for the three years that they expect this patient to live. The cost exceeds the cost for the life expectancy, they deny the treatment. That's the rationing board in Great Britain. That's how they pay for health care in Great Britain. They ration it. And that's what's going to happen in this country. That's how they treat seniors in Great Britain, and that's how they're going to treat seniors in this country. What seniors are used to, which is getting Medicare or paying into the more popular and better Medicare Advantage, which now a third of the Medicare recipients are participating in, that would disappear. It will not exist. It will go away. And the people in Great Britain, the seniors who need a hip replacement or a knee replacement, are instead given pain medication or a cane, and they're told, make do. That's what's going to happen here. That is not what we want here. But that's what the Democrats won't tell you. And the 
fact checkers from the Washington Post become a little bit obsessed that we can't do it, but the other countries can. But we are five times the size of Great Britain, ten times the size of Canada, where they also have uh, socialized health care. And our population is far more heterogeneous, more more diversified, more diverse. And so the problems are greater and they're more difficult. And so it is impossible to implement a one-size-fits-all solution in the United States when they can't even do it in a place where it's smaller and more um, homogeneous, easier to do this. So this is a big problem for us if we go down this road. You need to be paying attention on election day in three weeks because this is what the Democrats want to do. This is what they are running on. They're trying to tell people that this is a good idea because Republicans are destroying health care. They are not. The Trump administration is the only administration in the last of the last couple that have actually tried to deregulate health care that have the intention of continuing to deregulate health care. It will continue if he has a cooperative Congress. It will come to a screeching halt if there is um, a, a, a split government. And if you give the Democrats the keys to to control, things are going to get very, very bad for Americans with regard to their health care. And as President Trump has so aptly put it, why would you give an arsonist a match? And that's exactly what giving the Democrats control of any branch of government at this point in time when they are overrun by the left is going to do. And we have to be smarter and we have to educate the people who don't know about this what a democrat congress what a democrat senate what a democrat white house would look like with regard to health care because it ain't too pretty and a lot of people who are on this bandwagon now writing about single payer betsy mccoy is writing about it now david bossy is writing about it the republican national committee um is uh is writing about this, and um, it's it's really time for people to uh, pay attention because there's only one party that is trying to fix health care while the other party is trying to take it over, and taking it over and letting the government run it is a huge mistake. They failed to do it when they had an opportunity to run a socialized uh, system in the VA, and the Trump administration is trying to fix that right now. So pay attention in three weeks, and uh, we are at a hard break. We're at the end of the show. So thanks for being with us, and cast your vote appropriately. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Get